the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Okay, number one, we have updates coming in from Maricopa County election officials in Arizona. Number two, we've absolutely got to address the rising tension between Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis and all of the people in between. Number three, we've got a man who just beat a bunch of girls to become the local beauty queen in a pageant. And uh, it was weird to watch. Let's just say that. And number four, China says that they're preparing for war now. So let's talk about that one just a little bit at least. (laughs) All right, let's get into it. Okay, before we get into that first topic of what the heck is going on in Arizona, if you guys want to know what the left's real plan is for your kids, just look at the reaction to the work Patriot Mobile did in multiple school districts in Texas. The left is losing their minds. Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative mobile phone provider, and they're a force for conservative values. That's because they take a portion of your bill and they fund conservative causes and candidates who believe in the sanctity of life, freedom of speech, the Second Amendment, and they're winning. Patriot Mobile has affordable plans for you, your family, even your business. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers because they use multiple major networks. Makes sense. Plus, you're supporting conservative values with every call. You can go to patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Get free activation with offer code Morgan. That's my name, people. Special discounts are also available for veterans and first responders. Join our movement. Make the switch today and a difference tomorrow. That's patriotmobile.com slash Morgan. Patriotmobile.com slash Morgan or call 972-PATRIOT. Thank you, guys. All right. So I just before we get into the, you know, the big topic, everybody wants to hear about it. Trump versus DeSantis. We're going to go over all of that jazz. But before we do that, we have an interesting update in the Arizona situation over there in Maricopa County. Now, I had no idea of this, but like most of the people in Arizona live in Maricopa County. It's over 50 percent of the state's population live in this one county. And the county is saying, well, we can't possibly get the election results, not just by the end of the week. At first they were saying, you know what, even though election day was Tuesday, we're not going to be able to get you results until Friday, maybe. Then they said next week. And then we heard talks of we're not going to have official confirmation on numbers until the freaking new year. So it's a little frustrating. And you can imagine that if Every other state and if every other country in the world that has functioning elections is able to carry out an election process and then get the results on the same day, then why can't this county in Arizona? And why is it happening in a county that is so highly important and contested, especially when you see the polling and the success in terms of the grassroots efforts of the candidate, Carrie Lake? So this is definitely something we've all got to keep our attention on. And here is the latest update that we have, a video that I found of the news interviewing the election official who is in charge of what's going on over there. So I'm going to play it, but you're going to listen to it and you're going to notice he says something pretty nasty. He says, you know, I'll tell you an estimated date of when you'll have the results, but you can't hold me to it. Yeah, because there's no accountability in modern day American politics, right? Real quick, can you ask Bill when he estimates or estimates those votes in Maricopa County will be counted? Yes. Yes. You know we do this to you every day, and I'm just going to have to do it to you again. When do you anticipate 
the votes will be counted in total, those 400,000-plus votes? Well, we have... Uh we will be going into next week. There's some onesie twosies, uh, again, pursuant to Arizona law. But I think that we'll see the lion's share here wrap up by early next week. Early next week. Can you give me a day? We're we talking Monday or we may, may, maybe I, as long as you won't hold it to hold me to it. But I think that's what we're looking at this point. Again, given the number of ballots here, the Arizona laws that we have to follow and the fact that accuracy comes first. There you go. Accuracy comes first. Uh, Bill just telling us, look, it's probably going to be early next week. Um, we knew that I think on Friday, you thought that maybe Friday 95 to 99 percent, but that has changed partly because there were so many people who came in and dropped those ballots, those early ballots off the day of the election. So that's where we are. And I promise you, we'll give you the information as soon as we get it. There will be another count that happens, I think, this evening and an that's announcement. Correct. OK, back to you. Arnold. OK, OK. Yeah. So he's asked, when will we get the results from literally just this county? Come on, you guys are a county, not even in a very large state in this country. And it's for one of the most important races. Tell us when you will get us the results. The whole country is waiting. And he's like, Meh, I mean, maybe next week, but you can't hold me to that one. I'm sorry, but <laughs> we we put a lot of our, our money as taxpayers into this system called uh, American government, local government, state government that are supposed to be handling the elections. And it's a little frustrating when we can't get a basic service back in exchange for our tax dollars. And then it's really frustrating when you are in charge of such an important process and you're joking on television, national television, CNN, about such a complicated situation. It's really a situation as well. Like you got to at least read the room and take a more serious tone with this. Don't just tell us that this is normal. That's the other talking point that these county officials are saying is they're like, listen, this happens sometimes. Okay. We got a lot of ballots in a lot of mail-ins and stuff, and it's hard for us to track. This is totally normal. You guys shouldn't be freaking out. Just be patient. Like what? It's not normal. That's why you're getting the backlash. So please don't try and brainwash us into thinking that this is normal. It's kind of a, a gaslighting tactic, but not in a personal relationship. We're being gaslit by politicians and officials in our government, and it's highly frustrating. Now, the thing that you guys need to know moving forward, I know it can get complicated. It's frustrating to follow all this stuff. The important thing to look at right now is when they still have all these ballots to count, apparently there's uh, over 400,000? And they still are like, well, we don't actually know, and we don't know what's been voted and what hasn't, and we don't know what has the signatures. They, they have all these groups of different ballots floating around, still being delivered to the counting places, and they're saying it's hundreds of thousands of ballots. Do you see how this is a very bad situation? And again, it's for one of the most important races in the country. They're saying this, and they've really only counted the votes that came in as early voting, mail-in ballots. They have all of these hundreds of thousands of votes that are apparently just same-day voting, the people that actually showed up on Election Day and voted. And who are those people, you guys? Republicans. So you can look at the news right now, and you're looking at CNN. You can see on MSNBC. You can see on the mainstream media networks. They're saying that, oh, it's Katie Hobbs versus versus Carrie Lake, and it's head-to-head, and, and Katie Hobbs is in the lead right now. And, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see for the final amount. But something's a little sketchy when you understand that most of the votes are probably going to go to carry at the end of the day in terms of the new ones that are still to be counted because Republicans are the ones who show up on Election Day and vote. It's the Democrats. It's the young voters that send in those mail-in voting uh, pieces of paperwork. So it should, if things are normal, 
keep that in mind, go to Carrie Lake at the end of this mess. Will it? That's something that I, it's like, I don't even know anymore. You know what I mean? It's like, I could tell you of what you would normally expect if we were in a normal world, normal American politics back in the olden days, right? But that's just not the case anymore. And so I have no idea what's going to happen. These are actually just helpful things for us to know with context, adding context to the situation of how sketchy this really is right now. Okay. So with that being said, let's have a, a hard conversation about the DeSantis versus Trump stuff. And by that, it's like, listen, I'm not about to get feisty, okay? But I think we are seeing so many different opinions on this one already, and it's not even it's not even a week after Election Day for the midterms, but we're already talking about this. We're already talking about the 2024 presidential election. I instead want to evaluate and go through, we'll break down what we are currently facing and some of the angles that we're seeing in this very multifaceted conversation and general issue. How about that? I think that sounds kind of fun. Okay. So if you guys haven't seen yet, I guess to really start by painting the picture of of what has happened, we see little bickering going on on social media between Trump people versus DeSantis people, versus people who are like, how come we can't just question one way or the other without getting attacked? We aren't saying anything specifically bad about one person or another, but why can't we even have this conversation? And it's just kind of crazy. And so I've been keeping my eye on the conversations and I have been documenting the different angles that I've heard. Um, We're really facing this now because we are past the midterms because last week before the election happened before DeSantis won re-election Trump called him Ron DeSanctimonious in his campaign speech for another candidate in another part of the country and people were pretty frustrated by that for a few reasons but for the most part it's like listen he is running for office, Ron DeSantis is, and he hasn't won yet. And Florida is really important for the Republican Party and the conservative movement. So why are you attacking him before he's an actual opponent? You know what I mean? It's like, let's keep a strong front and get everybody across the finish line. And then, you know what, if this turns into an actual primary race between DeSantis and Trump, then yeah, I get it. Two candidates are going to argue with each other. They're going to debate. They're going to throw some jabs maybe, but that's just really not the place right now. And so that was the first kind of official jab that we saw. And then it just kind of springboarded into a bunch of different conversations. So when we look at this, I think the first important message is the fact that multiple things can be true at the same time. Two things can be true at the same time. More than two things can be true at the same time. And that goes with so many topics. You know what I mean? So many issues. And it really frustrates me when people are just absolutists in politics because for the most part, we need to be operating in the gray and people are just so black and white. And I know that a lot of the stuff, especially as a Christian, I look at things as good versus evil. But for the most part, Everything as a political issue is pretty gray, and where you end up on that spectrum is, yes, really important, but you're not going to win the absolute black or the absolute white, and and people are, for some reason, with this Trump and Ron DeSantis thing, immediately becoming absolutists, and they have no room for conversation over what I see as some really important topics that are within this general mess that we've got going on here. So considering the fact that multiple things can be true at the same time, 
let's go through what I see as all these different things happening all at once, right? (laughs) And then if you agree with me, let me know. If I'm missing any, send me a message and let me know too, because I tried to come up with a list of like, listen, these are all the different angles, but please, if I forgot any, or if you have any that you want to add, if you have any comments, please let me know on this one, because this is definitely a hot topic, right? So first thing we should address, Trump as a politician, Trump as a leader, he has done so much for the conservative movement and for the country. And there is no denying that, right? I think even the people that were apprehensive of him, even the people that really didn't like him in the beginning, because remember 2015, 2016 was wild for the Republican Party. And for people who were commentators, you had people who said he is never going to be president. He is a horrible person. And at the end of the day, they were the ones like on stage with him in 2020, helping him campaign for reelection. So we had a lot of of transition in our movement. And because of his leadership, because of the results that he got when he actually went into office, people were like, wow, like, you know what? His tweets kind of suck sometimes, but I I don't even care anymore because his results as a politician, as a leader, as the president, they impact so many people in such a positive way. And then as well, we all saw the way that his results when they were so positive and when he was really doing so much for everybody else, he was getting attacked from all these different angles and in a really unfair way. So it kind of made us lean more into him because we had more respect for the sacrifices that he made. We had more respect for like, dang, he's pretty good at this stuff. Like never been in political office before, but he's really good. And so over these many years, he has won over a lot of people. He won me over. I was what? a sophomore, a freshman, then sophomore in college when he ran. And I was in Washington, D.C. And I can personally tell you, I was an intern for somebody running for local D.C. office. I was like a little door knocker on their campaign. And I would do it every weekend. And so I remember being a freshman or sophomore, I can't remember at the time, and my candidate had to canvas. And so we were at all the GOP events and like the actual, like not the state, but the entity of Washington, D.C. has their own GOP, their own you know committee and everything like that. So I was at all those events. And I remember the hostility that people had towards Trump. And for me, I had a very, you know, I was very impressionable. I was very malleable. And I saw, oh, they're saying this Donald Trump guy is a bad guy. I guess he really is a bad guy. I believe you guys, this is embarrassing, but I believe my primary vote was for John Kasich. Ew, Morgan, what were you thinking? You know what I mean? It's like, but I was coming into politics for the first time ever in my life. My experience was through the eyes of somebody involved in Washington, D.C. Republican Party politics. And that's very different from other styles of conservatism and politics. And I'm like, ew, kind of cringy, Morgan, come on. But at the time, I can see how, wow, that's how I formed my initial views on involvement in the party. And they said he was a bad guy. He said he was harsh and brash and he's never been in politics before. And we have, there's people that love Ted Cruz, right? There was people that love Marco Rubio, Jeb Bush. You guys remember this, right? And so at the time, it was pretty chaotic. But very quickly, when I saw his results, when I saw who he was, I was like, wow, I really like this guy. And of course, I voted for him in the general, but then he truly won me over. So I think that's the case with a lot of people, right? We all agree with that. 
Oh, got to cut in with a MyPillow ad. You guys, you've all helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. Right now, MyPillow is offering exclusive offers on their bed sheets, their six-piece towel set, and even offering an extended 60-day money-back guarantee. Orders placed now through December 5th will now have an extended money-back guarantee through March 1st. The Giza bed sheets are marked down as low as $29.99. And believe me when I say you will get a great night's sleep in these. Their six-piece towel set is made with USA cotton, comes with two bath towels, two hand towels, and two washcloths, typically retailing for $89.98, but they're now just $39.98 with promo code MORGAN. That's limited supply of those things, you guys, so be sure to order now. Call 1-800-738-8374, use promo code MORGAN, or go to MyPillow.com, click the radio listener square, and use promo code MORGAN. Thank you. He's been very successful in many ways. We all wanted him to get reelected, of course. Now, What are my negative thoughts on Trump? Because some people are like just randomly ditching him right away. And I'm not going to do that. I don't think I have any immediate adjustment that I'm having to make. But I just want you guys to understand like, yeah, I'm not satisfied with any politician 100%. My negative thought, if I could think of one of the situation with Trump and with 2020, with 2024, and even with the midterms is, I really, and I'm totally open to the fact that maybe I'm missing something here. So like, if you have a view on this, let me know. I am really confused as to why he just kind of disappeared. And I am in no way a political consultant expert or anything, but I personally think that there could have been a better path for him to have stayed more connected to us, to him staying as the leader and the lead communicator of our side and of our party, instead of what I see as him just, he kind of disappeared. And it created this gap. It created this, this hole that has been filled in many ways, you know, like we kind of had to move on without him because uh, and maybe again, I'm maybe I'm wrong on this because I didn't feel his presence as we've been going through so much as a country. Like a lot has happened in the last two years, especially with the things like unconstitutional vaccine mandates and everything that we've been struggling with via the Biden regime and the FBI and this crazy stuff. And so I'm not saying, oh, it's Donald Trump's fault that this disconnection happened between him and the base and him and people like me and people like you and the voters that really were excited about him in 2020. But I just think that and hindsight's 2020, there's something that could have been done in terms of a strategy to lead us into the midterms, into 2024, that didn't have to include this random separation that I don't know if it's repairable. What do I mean by that? I mean, January 6th happened and I know that it's it's complicated, right? We have them accusing us and especially him and the people directly tied to him of some really wild, inappropriate and wrong things. But I don't understand why the decision was made for him to kind of seclude back to just communicating on truth social and we we don't really see his presence anywhere. And so that's what kind of leads me into the next thing. Because for me, I might not understand, you know, what the strategy was, or maybe there just wasn't a strategy and they thought that people would stay you know, riled up and excited for him or something. But like, this has been a long two years without him as the leader. And then on top of that, a lot of people thought that there would be more change with the GOP and with the structure of the conservative movement 
to get things like election security handled, to do all these things. And we really haven't had a strong central figure leading us from Washington, D.C. or anything. Like We've broken up into all these different factions, and we don't have that core leader. So I, I don't know what the strategy was really there or what's happening behind the scenes, but I don't feel like we are really closely tied to him anymore in the way that we were. Now, I would have liked to see more vocal and positive leadership and clear communication that, listen, this is not over. And instead, it was kind of like he left and then now he's like teasing that he's going to come back. But it's like, well, why'd you go anyways? Why did you who on your team told you to retreat, to go back? Because we have been, it feels like in the fight, we've been dealing with this for two years now. It feels like we never left. And so all of a sudden it's like, wow, Trump's back. But maybe the strategy should have been that he stayed here present and active and as the leader of the party and the movement the whole time, no matter what the left said about us. You know what I mean? I just think that that caused potentially irreparable damage. Now, the other end of that is, you know, maybe he did step back because the strategy was to try and take the insane pressure that the left puts on us because of our association with him. Maybe it was to take that pressure off of us so that we could just, you know what, get through the midterms, succeed with that, and then get ready for 2024. I see how that could potentially be the thing, but I'm just saying that I personally think it would have been more beneficial preparing us as one strong party, as one strong movement moving forward, it would have been better to have him be that vocal leader throughout the entire time. At the end of the day, we have to acknowledge the fact, and I've heard this from multiple people, that when he just kind of disappeared and when he pulled back, it did leave a sort of absence. And when you have people who are, you know, not federal level leaders, national level leaders, but people like Ron DeSantis who are at the state level, but they led in such a strong way, then yeah, there was a gap. And for many people, that gap of somebody to look forward to as a leader, somebody who is representing the challenge against the Biden regime, who's representing what it means to be in conservative politics and standing up for our constitutional rights when we are in an era of absolute tyranny and totalitarianism and authoritarianism, DeSantis filled the gap. And so he inspired many people with his actions during the last two years. And so it makes sense. It makes natural sense why people are like, wait, this is really somebody that we're excited about. He has proven himself in many ways. And I personally believe like it's it's nothing against Trump. It's just that people are excited about DeSantis. So multiple things can be true at the same time. Okay, and that brings us into some things that are also true on top of those core things that we just went over. Something that we should address is the fact that, listen, Trump or no Trump, DeSantis has been doing a really great job in this era that we are in, right? We're fighting against this very oppressive federal power. And we have a state-level leader, and I've talked to you guys about this a lot on these episodes, is my love, my appreciation for our system rooted in federalism, where our state powers can check the federal government and vice versa. But it really empowers the people of this country. It decentralizes the power and protects our rights in the greatest way. Our founders are genius. But because of Ron DeSantis, I think a lot of people have been re-inspired by the system of federalism. Most people couldn't even define it for you. Most people don't understand of like, oh yeah, we have 
our own separate states that are, have their own governments and they have their own ability to protect our constitutional rights if the federal government ever steps in on them. And so Governor Ron DeSantis doing that was a really great, first of all, basic history lesson for people, basic civics lesson for a lot of Americans who didn't get it in public school. But it was also just really exciting and something that we needed to see because a lot of people are quite disheartened seeing the state of our government, the state of our politicians in Washington, D.C. right now. You know what I mean? And so Trump or no Trump, DeSantis has been an inspiring leader in his own way. And it's even more pronounced because he is a state level leader that has really got his crap together. I mean, if you look at the numbers of Florida, every single statistic, they are right at the top. And it's really, really cool to see. Again, Trump or no Trump, it's nice to see that kind of success. And I will say, not only is he succeeding by leading the charge on cultural issues, he's speaking out about education for children. He is focusing on making sure that there's no woke indoctrination, woke divisive race-based curriculum. There's no sexualizing curriculum in the classrooms of children and the libraries of for children's schools. And then also, on top of the culture stuff, you guys, he's going and he has fantastic numbers in terms of the state budget, state tax, and the balancing of the budget so that people, the taxpayers, are respected in the state. So he's really just checking all the boxes on a lot of really important stuff that we haven't seen for a really long time in the Republican Party, in the conservative movement. So that's another thing that's true. Now, something that's also true at the same time is that we have this really successful governor in Florida. And he just won for re-election in Florida, but he might potentially run for president and people want him to run for president. Now, people are very fine with him running, not in two years, but in six years because they, they just really like him. And they're like, you know what? He's doing a great job in Florida. He actually leads in our nation just in the sense at a national level by inspiring other statewide leaders nationwide and kind of driving the conversation, driving the agenda, driving our platform in Washington, D.C. Now, that's because I believe our actual Republican Party structure that's headquartered in Washington, D.C. and the D.C. politicians, I think they suck. And so when we have strong leaders like DeSantis, he can tend to inspire voters and citizens. And then that grassroots support also, all that media attention that he gets, everything, that can really light a fire under the butt of the people who are doing nothing in Washington. Do you see what I mean? And so he has a positive impact in multiple ways. He doesn't necessarily need to be president, but people are like, yeah, it would be really nice for him to run for president one day. That being said, we, of course, are going to see people that want him to run sooner than later. That's how politics works, okay? And so, yes, we have a very successful governor who might run in the future sooner or later. But we now see, okay, we're finding out this donor wants DeSantis to run in two years. We're finding out that people in Washington, D.C. and the Republican headquarters are talking about running Governor Ron DeSantis in two years. And what are they going to do, Trump or DeSantis, all this stuff? And you're seeing these people on the conservative side of politics who favor Trump in 2024. Now, I believe it's it's really disingenuous for them to do this, but they're saying, oh, DeSantis is actually just some secret rhino being propped up by the Republican establishment and Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell. And it's those nasty swamp Republicans that are actually backing him and all the billionaire donors and stuff. And I, I hear this and it just really rubs me the wrong way. And that's initially what inspired me to do this episode because it's like, okay, well, you know, multiple things, again, the theme of the episode, multiple things can be true at the same time. 
What is so wrong with having an inspiring leader be considered for a position? In my opinion, nothing. Okay. And so, yeah, I think that those people that they're calling, you know, swamp Republicans and all that stuff, I completely agree. They are a mess. But it would be nice if like, geez, if we could get them to see value in politicians like Ron DeSantis and to realize, hey, you guys suck. It would be nice if you supported candidates that the people love. That would be really cool. And so for me, I saw that and I was like, oh, man, that'd be nice if we could all unite. Right. Instead of the fighting of the D.C. swamp politicians endorsing one candidate and then the MAGA people endorse another candidate and the people like the same MAGA candidate. I mean, we saw him with Blake Masters. Blake Masters might lose his race for Senate. We might lose the entire Senate. We might lose majority just because Mitch McConnell decided to send funds for a campaign to Alaska for a Senate race instead of sending them to Blake Masters. And so Carrie Lake is really who, if Blake wins, she's responsible for saying, you know what? Mitch McConnell and the Senate abandoned Blake Masters, who is a fantastic family man, fantastic candidate, very smart, very, very exciting, too, as a future leader. She was like, we're not going to abandon him just because the Senate GOP did. Okay, in Washington, D.C., we are going to bring them along with us. We're going to run as a ticket, as a team. So that's the kind of stuff the GOP currently does. They look at somebody like Blake Masters and they go, "Mm, we're going to quit on your race and we're just going to send our money to Colorado for a race. And we're going to say that that's going to be a really good idea. And then what do you know? We lost that because it's Colorado. Now, that's why when you see like, oh, wait, we might be able to get a candidate that everybody loves, uh, somebody like Ron DeSantis, supported by our forces in Washington, D.C., which let's be honest, tons of money, tons of people, tons of power and influence. That'd be really cool if we could make something work. You know what I mean? It's like a couple that wants to potentially get divorced, but you're like, wait, there's still hope. Let's do this. Let's rally together. And then they fall back in love. This would be amazing. So I don't think it's really that smart for anybody to be like, oh, wait a second. Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy and the D.C. swamp is potentially looking to support Ron DeSantis as a candidate, we must now ditch Ron DeSantis because now he's basically just as bad as them and he's very risky and he's no longer somebody that we can support. And I'm just shocked to see it. It's like, wow, he he has done so much and he has done nothing to lose our support. He has done nothing to earn our disrespect, because that's kind of what I'm seeing in terms of these talking points, this rhetoric. I'm like, what is going on? What happened? Really? We can't just acknowledge the fact that like, yeah, okay, we should keep an eye on the fact that, you know, the DC people are trying to run Ron. I do think that would be bad if they try and specifically run him in some surprise way against Trump. But it's not like there is a secret elitist cabal that is using Ron DeSantis. I truly don't believe that. Multiple things can be true at the same time. Now, I personally believe that Ron DeSantis has enough of a backbone to be able to not be controlled in the way that some people in politics who will do anything for power are able to be controlled by these DC entities. So my big message on this part is just how frustrating it is. Just because you find out that there's rumblings in D.C. with D.C. donors and the D.C. party and stuff, just because you hear that they're excited about potentially running Ron DeSantis, and whether that's in two years or four years or whatever, it's like, well, just because you hear that, that doesn't mean you give up on one of the greatest leaders that we've had in our party for a very long time. There's room for opportunity here, and I really don't like seeing the division that has come from it, okay? I totally understand that we need to have primary debates, that we need to have primary fights, all that stuff. 
But this is a little different, and I'm surprised to see how quickly people are dropping Ron DeSantis just because of the rumor mill from Washington, D.C., of all places. Does that make sense? Okay, you guys, here's the deal. I'm looking at the clock. I'm seeing we have a lot to discuss on this topic still, and I don't want to go too over. And so I'm just going to cut it here, and then we will pick back up this discussion of the Ron DeSantis versus Donald Trump situation that's going on. We'll pick that up on the next episode. I hope you guys have a great start to your week. Happy Monday. I'll see you again on Wednesday. Okay, thanks. And if you haven't yet, hit subscribe. Thank you. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.